Good afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway with podcast number 59. 59, and it's great to welcome in Michael Spath. Michael, welcome in. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, the uh, Tigers lost their piece in the row, but at least Casey Mize looked really good and gave uh, fans a little bit of promise, something to be excited about for the rest of the season. So I'm feeling good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm with you on the Tigers. You know, it was fun while they were hovering around 500. And then, mm-hmm. all things considered, it was just nice to have uh, baseball. And then when things started to really take a nosedive, we have the future to look at. So. Uh, and Casey Mize didn't disappoint. So he, no. was, he was fun to watch. And Scooble the night before, though, did. But uh, we, we know there's going to be some ups and downs. But it's fun to see the future here in the last three days. I mean, that, that was uh, just for that is something to tune in for, which was cool. Yeah, you know, honestly, Dennis, when the season began and they did this modified 60-game thing, I don't think any Tiger fan in their right mind thought uh, that Detroit was going to contend this year. My goals, my aspirations, my, like, I'm going to be a satisfied fan because if you show me, um, I wanted a little bit more than a glimpse. Like, I wanted to see these guys. Like, I'd like to see Casey Mize, you know, start five to eight games here. Um, I, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the young players, like, at least, like, give us some hope that El Avila has some idea of what he's doing and that the future looks bright for the Tigers. And uh, so I didn't care if they if they won 20 games. In fact, uh, you know, when, when we were when I was doing radio before, we bet on how many wins they would get to, and I think I said like twenty one or twenty two. I just wanted some promise, something to get excited about. And these last couple of days with the two young pitching prospects, uh, they've provided that. And God, I hope they win a game again because it certainly was a little bit um, unexpected fun early on when I think they were nine and five, and you know they were a half game out of first place. And, uh, you know, that was enjoyable. But again, I, I think a realist Tigers fan is looking at this season as a complete uh, loss, but just, just give us something to, to feel good about going into the offseason. Yeah, you know, speaking of radio, I I, I made my, my radio bet, so there was there was no money on it. It was just 50-whatevers. You know, I, I put on the over 22, which I think was the, the number in Vegas before the season. So it's something to pull for. I didn't think they were going to win – you know, many more than that, but right around there, you know, 23, uh, I'm hoping for because that's what I said. But I, I'm with you just to see the future. It doesn't even have to be the top prospects. It can be some of these guys that are, you just wonder if they're going to be mm-hmm. with a team in two or three years. Guy hit a home run last night, Condelario, uh, Christian yeah. Stewart, uh, Spencer Turnbull. You now, can he con- mm-hmm. continue on? If you could find three, four, five more pieces that you can say hey you know great if you can find a, a star with them but um you know just find some guys that you feel like they're like i i, I like grayson griner I, I have a friend of mine who, who loves south carolina you know he's always like how you know how's my gamecock you know griner doing i'm like well he's he's in the mix but you know i, I don't think grayson griner you know somebody in a couple of years you're thinking about okay mm-hmm. they're gonna win the central and you know griner is gonna be behind the dish it's probably not gonna be like that I honestly think, Dennis, when I look at this Tigers, uh, you know, their normal everyday roster, I, I think there's only three guys um, that, in my opinion, have a chance to stick with the Tigers if they have good seasons. But honestly, uh, two of them, Jacoby Jones and Jamar Candelario, are two guys that for the last two or three years have been huge disappointments. Um, and in, even though 60 games is such a small sample size, to me, it's like you, had 60, you have 60 games left in your Tigers career. One, like, 
if you don't go out there and perform in these 60 games, then frankly, and I know that this is kind of a, a crazy, weird asterisk season, but how many more times can Jacoby Jones and J. Mark Candelario get, get opportunities with the Tigers? And to Jacoby Jones' credit, I mean, he's he's have off to his the best start that he's ever had in his career. If he can do it over 60 games, then I'd feel a lot better going into 2021 with him uh, either your opening day, you know, starting center fielder um, or, you know, somewhere in the outfield. Uh, Candelario, I mean, I've been way down on. I mean, I think he started the season, what, like 0 for 21 or something like that. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's shown a little bit pop. He had a big three-run homer in the, in the game on Wednesday night with Casey Myers making his starting debut. You know, kind of thought at the moment that it that it might, you know, the Tigers might capitalize that momentum. But to me, it's, you know, he's at a position at, at third base. I guess he plays a little bit, you know, first base here too. But you, you can't be a 250 hitter with no power at that position. I mean, if you're not batting close to 300 and, and you know, on projection to hit 30 home runs or more, especially in an era where where most guys are hitting home runs or more home runs than we've ever seen before in Major League Baseball, um, you know, then, then you've got no value to me. So, I mean, this is, I think this is a real big opportunity for him. And then the third guy is the, is the catcher, Austin Romine. Um, you know, maybe he could be a guy, if he proves himself, that could stick around for three, four, five years uh, with the Tigers. But those, to me, I, I'm, already, I'm already convinced Christian Stewart is a, is a no-go. Um, obviously, Miguel Cabrera is just, is just filling out his contract. God, it'd be, it'd be really nice for the Tigers if they could dump him. But anyway, that they dump him, they're going to have to pay for a big portion of that salary. Um, you know, other than that, like, I mean, you know, Nico Goodrum, don't think that. I mean, he's a he's a role player. Maybe he sticks with the Tigers as a guy that's like your, you know, your third guy off the bench in future years of their contenders. But that's about it. I don't really have much hope for anybody else on this team. Yeah, well, Turnbull, I have some hope for, but uh, I'm with you uh, on most of that. And the one thing about Condelario, he is my Tiger, but they did draft Torkelson first overall, mm-hmm. and we did see Paredes make his debut two nights ago. Both of those guys, uh, they're at least thinking about putting that third base. And uh, and if it's not there, it's going to be first base. So, uh, Jamer better uh, pick it up. Well, you know, Michael, mm-hmm. you we didn't say it. We've, uh, But specifically, this is Thursday, August the 20th. Mm-hmm. We're recording this on. And, you know, I was calling you Professor Spath uh, on your radio show, uh-huh. Inside the Huddle, which you said uh, goodbye to last Friday. And we will get to that, but – I, I got to get to college football right now. It has been yeah. over the last two weeks uh, really wild. I mean, if you want to go back, to, uh, you know, to the the fifth, that's when the schedule was released. I know you were on vacation there, but and mm-hmm. it, it always seemed like it was predictable. At least the odds were against that there would be a Big Ten season. But, man, how it's unfolded in just over the two weeks since the schedule came out has really been uh, amazing. Dennis, I am shocked that uh, that public relations people are not better at their jobs. Or I think what happens often cases is that um, you know I'll use you know Michigan football for example. Uh, you know, you and I both know the the PR guys at, at Michigan. I think quite often um, public relations people. Tell, like say to someone like, okay, we need to do this, this, or this. And so often leaders are just like, no, we're just going to go right. We're just going to bowl into the China shop. And when you look at how this unfolded with uh, making the announcement for the schedule and getting everybody excited and the big 10, you know, using all their leverage, social media, um, through regular media channels, 
uh, but putting it on the Big Ten Network, I mean, they created a narrative that we're going to play football. And not only they were going to play football, but they were starting in early September where the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 were all talking about starting September 26th and giving themselves time for the students to come back on a campus. And the Big Ten just went straight forward with it and said, nope, well, this, is, this is what our schedule is going to be. I mean, you know, I, I saw numerous articles about the, the Michigan-Ohio State game being played um, October 24th. Uh, you know, and I mean, they were putting a full, the full press uh, blitz on. And then, yeah, six days later, I mean, and it really leaked on that Sunday night, uh, I think a couple of days later um, that, you know, they were, they were voting to, to cancel the season. And, you know, I'm a big believer. And if you listen to my show um, in the past, you heard me use, you know, two words over and over again, honesty and transparency. I think the, the PR success, I think, anything in life that if you're open and honest with people and you're transparent about the process, that even if they disagree with your decision, they can't really, I mean, you've made a compelling argument and, and they might be upset with, you know, you going the other way, but you've answered every single question that they could possibly ask. You've been transparent about how you got to those decisions. And so the general public, the media, whoever is what, what's their left to, what's their left to, to bicker about what's their left to dive into what's their left to argue about? Because, it's been laid bare in front of you and the, the big Ten just completely bungled that. I mean, they, they, they came out with a statement on Tuesday that essentially canceled the season to me, canned prepared uh, pre-release statements are the worst thing possible because sure for politicians and business leaders, the very thing that they want to avoid is questions, but the very thing that everybody else has are questions. And so instead of, instead of being able to have those conversations and answer those questions and get to the meat of, uh, of, of why the Big Ten season got canceled. Instead, you left an entire, you left players, you left coaches, you left administrators, you left the general public, the fans, the media, all asking, "Well, why?" And if and if you haven't if you haven't asked answered that fundamental question, why? Then you're going to lead to the the dams bursting, and that's exactly what happened in the last week between we want to play hashtag players going out there, coaches going out there prominent coaches, Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin and Scott Frost all saying, like, we don't understand what happened. We, we were doing everything that we could. And then you've got fans and you've got the media coming down on them. I mean, this was public relations, like, 100% failed, Dennis. And I don't think even in the last couple of days that the Big Ten has recovered from it in their, their new efforts. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, a statement to the community, like a, a boilerplate, statement to the Big Ten community and then afterwards, you know, calling up whether it was the Athletic or Yahoo Sports, I know you get to control things a lot better. You say, hey, you know, you, you end up talking probably to the same people anyways, and it's it's over a Zoom, and it's not in person, but you know how much more uh, comfortable, how much more believable, and really, to your point about being PR, if you're a Big Ten fan, and you see your commissioner up there, you want to buy into what he's saying. And it's it's so much easier if you're able to watch somebody and they present it to you than mm-hmm. reading it off a statement. It, it just feels like they're hiding. And you know what? I I feel like, you know, the and I saw a Yahoo quote today from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, and he was asked on what he would have done differently. And he said, I would have brought all the parties together. And I'm thinking <laughs> – yeah, you should have done that when you were releasing the schedule because when it came out, like all the three months before, if he was like listening to sports talk, it was like, 
Yeah, they might be able to get six games in. That's why there was so much talk about front-loading it and just playing the Big Ten mm-hmm. East games. So when it comes out and it's the overly ambitious nine or ten games that's starting out with with games against the Big Ten West, there are alarm bells. And then, you know, the September 5th date that you were talking about, I was like, wow, these guys, these guys are way – these guys, these guys really think they're going to play football. They're way more mm-hmm. optimistic than than anybody else that I can believe. I just couldn't believe it. But then, all of that optimism uh, was dashed when you know you had the twelve two vote. Then he just comes out the next day like, yeah, that's it. See ya. You know, it's because of COVID. And kind of put a sign up on the door like, you know, we'll we'll see you in the spring. It's like nobody nobody was uh, nobody was taking that or liking that. Well. Dennis, to me, it's, I mean, I understand a couple of the arguments that the big time is not going to be transparent about. Like, I don't think that, um, you know, it was going to do anybody any good for them to release who voted what. Um, if, if it wasn't unanimous and it doesn't sound like it was, then for the big time release, you know, in a, in a, in a vote of 14 chancellors and presidents, it came down to be, you know, nine to five. Uh, that they voted to cancel, and so we've decided to cancel. Like that's not going to do anybody any good to, to say what the actual number is. But you know, you have this meeting on on Sunday, to, uh, two weeks ago, to to decide what you want to do. Uh, and and at that point, you say, okay, look, like we're, we're discussing this. Everybody needs to be on the same page. Um, immediately, you need to go back and talk to your AD and talk to your coaches and talk to your players. And that's. You know, that to me was is the most mind blowing part of this is that is that the most important the people that were going to be impacted the most, the coaches and the players, were never told ahead of time what was going to happen, and that's why you started seeing coaches and players on that Monday, uh, you know, about a week and a half ago, start coming out and saying like, "We want to play," like this is what we're doing. I mean, no one was on the same page. How, that is that is fundamentally just going right off the train tracks when you don't have everybody, um, you know, all, all working together for the for the common power of the common good. So yeah, it was a, it was a screw the, you know, pooch moment. Uh, if I may say so, I know this is a podcast, so I probably could have said that. Um, but I, I don't, I still don't understand how they, how they botched it so badly. Um, and then you've got presidents, the Penn state president, the Ohio state president, the Nebraska president who started throwing the commissioner under the bus because they're like, well, there wasn't a formal vote or, or I voted a certain way. I mean, clearly they were, they were, feeling the heat from their alumni bases, especially from what I've been told, a lot of the, the prominent alumni were like, what is going on here? And they didn't have great answers for them, uh, for them. And so, um, you know, they started blaming Kevin Warren. I mean, if I'm Kevin Warren, like, I don't think they're, I would start, you know, building my resume. I would start looking for other jobs because I don't think he's long for the big time commissioner in this, unless, unless there's only one way that this goes well for the big time. And you know it too, Dennis. And it's, if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 ultimately within a first couple of weeks, either before they start games or the first couple of games, have to shut down. Um, and then the Big Ten comes out looking like we're the ones that were being proactive about this. And if the Big Ten then plays a spring season because the data has changed, the, the precautions, the, the infrastructure has changed, and then they have a spring season, but the rest of those, of those divisions, those leagues cannot, then the Big Ten comes out looking great in all this. But that's a lot of ifs to get to that point. 
Yeah, you could still talk about the the lack of communication and not having that unifying front. But you're right. You know, history is a funny thing. Like how long this continues in two weeks, they're supposed to start some college football games up. But if they're playing on the 12th, the 19th, if they get to the 26th, that's a lot of time for people to be bagging on the Big Ten brand and Kevin Warren. But it's not like uh, there's a lot of different ways it can go in terms of shutting down. But if it does ultimately get shut down, you're right. And I bet that the SEC and ACC and Big 12, it's not just all going to be like nice and neat. Like, all right, we've just decided we're closing doors and everybody's going to be, okay, let's just all, let's just all concentrate uh, on the spring now. Uh, I would imagine mm-hmm. that they're going to go through their own you know, PR hits and uh, backbiting and, and all kinds of different things that could be put into their political, uh, anything else, I mean, who knows. Uh, just what could happen there. So, yeah, it, it's uh, how how quickly that can happen, how long it drags on, and then how it ends up uh, ultimately just going down here once we, we get uh, closer to September. And then, you know, in September, I, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I could talk about this for probably three hours uh, straight. Mm-hmm. When you hear that the Big Ten, you know, Warren was made it clear that this was not a cancellation, that this was a postponement, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're, they're really putting their energy uh, into starting in January, the spring schedule that would end in April and you shave off a, a pair of games in 2021. This seems like it's for them what is going to be the, the best case scenario. Would, would you like to see games in February and March if it meant 2021 may not start until October, I mean, you, you see the value in that? Like, that's what I think they want. I don't know if yeah. you want that. Do you, do you see like, uh, where, okay, you know, uh, maybe you would warm up to that. Well, I think the, the hard part is going to be for the fan is if you spent, you know, I think you're a few years older than me, I'm 40 years old. Uh, and, we have been indoctrinated into traditions and into, um, you know, doing the same thing every season at the same time. I mean, this is the, this is the beauty of college football. This is the beauty of opening day for major league baseball for the Super Bowl. is when it first started, uh, it takes some time, but you know, a, a, a year becomes a decade and a decade becomes a quarter of a century and a quarter of a century becomes you know, 50 years and two generations and then two generations become three generations. And this is how you've developed brand loyalty in, in, in individual programs and institutions um, is because it's been passed down from, from parent to, to, to child to grandchild. So you, any of this stuff is messing with all that, right? I mean, the idea of, of playing football in the, in the winter, I mean, we saw the XFL and whatever the other, you know, and, uh, other pro football league try to do this um, in the last couple of years. And I don't know about you, but I mean, I wasn't starving for, for football um, in February and I didn't watch any of that. Now it's different because um, the Big Ten, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State haven't been playing for a while. But I think they're, they're going to have, I think it's going to be a tough pull for a lot of people to, to get excited. Um, about football in January and in February starting up, um, I think eventually everybody would probably get on board with it. Um, I don't think, I mean, certainly they're talking about maybe not having players in the stands, uh, RPSI fans in the stands. You know, are they doing it in domes? Where are they doing it? It's going to be, it's going to be 
different than anything we have ever experienced as fans in our life. And how quickly do we embrace that? I don't really know the answer to that. If they push the season next year to October, uh, October start, they say, hey, there's just you know eight games this year and we'll get back to normal in 2022. I mean, yeah, we'll all, we'll all adapt because we all want football. But the more that they, the, the more that this is, and this is for our country too, right? The more that things are out of whack, the harder I think it's going to be to put that everything back um, into place and to be able to pick up where we left off. And I think everybody's kind of trying to figure out with uh, in this COVID-19 world, like will we ever be able to put things back to the way that they were before? And if we can't, like how is that going to impact all of us emotionally, mentally, our families, our, our, you know, our, our careers, our, our fandom? Um, I don't have answers to those questions. I'm kind of like everybody else going along with it as, as it, as it's kind of springs in front of us. But to answer your question, I mean, would I be game for, you know, an eight game spring season and an eight game fall? I mean, right now I'm so desperate for, for college football to return that I would watch all of it. Um, but I certainly, it would, it would be, it would be different. It'd be unique. And, and I don't know if that's a, if that, that's a good thing for, for college football. Yeah, you might have to make a decision in March whether you're watching an opening round all day of, of college basketball and maybe a bubble or, or watching, you know, Michigan in a a friendly against Wisconsin, you know, at Ford <laughs> Field. Who knows? I, yeah, I wonder, you know, they, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder. Or if we find new things to do, that, that's a careful thing that they have to, to navigate. You know, I, I recall your start in the media – you know, you said you're 40 now, and I you you covered Michigan football and Michigan hockey. I want to know if I got that right. So you graduated from Michigan. Yep. So what are you thinking about your future when you when you're getting out there and you're like, uh, all right, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to cover Michigan, or do you think you were going to go somewhere else? How did that work? So I was 22 years old, and I had not written for the Michigan Daily, which a lot of prominent um, sports writers. Uh, that come out of Michigan. I mean, that's their experience is Michigan Daily. So, you know, I didn't really know. I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I wanted a job um, graduating from the University of Michigan. And, you know, I was in the School of Kinesiology, and, and they had done a nice job preparing me for essentially for to be versatile uh, without maybe specializing in any one thing. And um, I started in Hillsdale, Michigan, and I was there for three months, and I, you know, I appreciate everything that they taught me in three months. Um, I was the sports editor there. I mean, I was lucky to get that job because I didn't have a, a enough experience to really do it. Um, and then, honestly, again, I got, I, I would say my early part of my career was a lot of luck because the Wolverine magazine, something that had been around since about 1989 and, uh, and something that I used to read when I was a kid and then when I was a teenager and my dad was a subscriber. Um, you know, I got a, I got a job there and I don't really know looking back on it, how I did other than I was a gigantic fan. I knew every question that, uh, the publisher, Stu Coleman asked me, my writing was good enough, you know, that they could mold me. And I guess I was really cheap. I mean, I, my first job, I was, you know, making $26,000 out of college for them, but I didn't really know. I mean, I, I think Dennis, you're so excited to be in sports media, um, you know, for, I always kind of pinched myself a little bit. I mean, it's hard. It's a hard gig, as you know. I mean, you know, you've had some radio times as a host that are, uh, you know, for to raise a family, to be 
social or not the most ideal times working later in the evening. Um, you know, I, when, when, when I was covering Michigan as a sports writer, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great gig. You're at the games, you're watching from the press box. I mean, there's, that is incredible, but you're also working well into Saturday night. Um, you're sacrificing your social life. I remember, uh, the first night game at Michigan stadium history, 2011, Michigan, Notre Dame. Uh, and the way that that game ended with the last second, uh, comeback for Michigan. Uh, I think I left the press box at 4 a.m., um, went home, crashed, uh, and had the, had made the mistake of, of, uh, you know, I'd volunteer for some church thing the next day and I needed to be there at, for a 10 o'clock mass. Um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, the travel is really cool. The first time you, you go to it, you go out to Washington, you go out to Oregon, you visit like Eugene, you visit Seattle, you visit Bloomington. Uh, but then you're looking at a schedule when you're five, six, seven years into it and you're going, okay, I've got six road trips this year. I'm going to, I'm going to be flying to Minneapolis. I'm going to be flying to, uh, to, to Maryland. I'm going to be uh, on the road to Columbus and, and it, and it takes its toll. Um, and while it's, you know, the, the job itself covering, um, you know, the team that you grew up with is, is really cool. The, the Everything around it starts to, to wear on you a little bit. I'm sure you encounter that too. And so I was just kind of trying to honestly live kind of, I mean, not day by day. I wasn't living day by day. I was living year by year. I was living like, okay, is this the thing I still want to do? Is this the thing I still want to do? Um, and honestly, 15 years into it, I left and I went to the radio and I probably should have left um, sports writing three or four years before that because I was just starting to drag. Um, I just wasn't, I wasn't in, in love with it anymore. I was, I was kind of looking at it very much as what they say, like instead of when you're looking at it, the passion, the career, I was looking at it, the job, something I was punching in and punching out. Um, and so I should have left it a little bit earlier. And I think, you know, ultimately, and, and people have asked me like why I'm leaving the radio. And I think because I learned from that experience of being a sports writer, I've done this for about four and a half years and it started to feel more like a job than a, than a passion and a career. And so I kind of looked at myself and said, you know what, maybe this is the right time uh, to get out before I start resenting um, being a, you know, resenting my, what I do for a living, um, resenting my career, resenting my passion. Um, and people probably look at me and go like, you're out of your mind. Like, this is crazy. Like, how could you say that? Like, you've got the greatest job ever. Um, but Dennis, I, I, you're someone who really understands that, um, even pursuing your passion, even pursuing your, you know, having a career that you love, there's a lot of days that it feels more like a job than it does, um, you know, your dream come true. And so I just looked at it and said, you know, maybe it's time for, for me to end this before a little bit like Barry Sanders. Let me get out before Ooh. two or three years down the road. I'm like, this is, I don't want to be here anymore. Ooh, I, I like the Barry Sanders uh, comparison. Yeah. Well, to be honest, you haven't completely just uh, you know cut all of the cords here. I mean, there is a, there's still a chance. I know you're not even a, a week out, but I even said mm-hmm. this last week when I was just responding to uh, one of the Twitter posts, one of your your. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. I think it was your goodbye one. I was like, yeah, you know what? I, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, in a year or whatever else. I mean, you're still a little bit uh, you know connected, being able to do some writing, and so uh, you know you'll. You're you're still around. You're you're not moving to Siberia or anything either. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it would be really easy to get back in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Sam and Ira, uh, the morning show on WTK in Ann Arbor, have already extended uh, an opportunity for me to appear weekly on their show um, for whatever it's a twenty, thirty, forty-five minute segment, whatever it is, to talk 
um, about, you know, the Michigan going on or college football or whatever else. Um, you know, I, I mean, I really appreciate that. I kind of laughed when you reached out to me and said, Hey, would you like to come on the podcast? And I'm like, I, I kind of laughed and I told my wife and I said, I said, you know, it's, it's only been four days. There's a lot that's happened in four days and yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So I, um, you know, I'd be happy to, like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think, I think there's going to be opportunities like that, Dennis, where I will embrace it, where I'll be excited to talk sports. Um, and, and so we'll see, we'll see. I mean, never, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm never a person who's like, I'm completely done. Um, I do think the timing of it, there's no big 10, no Michigan football. Uh, this is a good opportunity for me to take a couple of months and, and try something else and, uh, and, and maybe try a new career choice, uh, and see how much I do miss it. And if there's a way to, to, to come back, um, you know, and, and do it maybe a couple of days a week, I, I, I'll say this. Unless someone comes through and offers me a boatload, boatload of money, um, I don't envision myself ever coming back to being a five-day-a-week, two, three, four-hour show, uh, sports talk, radio show host. Um, I just can't see it. But again, never say never. Yeah, well, I've seen you do some TV. You know, in addition, we, we talked about your writing early on, and you know now you've done radio, you know, a, a four-year run. So you've got all of those out there that you could go to. I want a word or two. You said goodbye last Friday. You know, you got a chance to say goodbye to your audience mm-hmm. and to the people that worked with you, the behind the scenes, the people that helped you uh, through there, some of the, the hosts that helped you, all of the people there. And uh, not a lot. I don't know what the breakdown is. There's a lot of hosts that don't get a chance to, to, to do that. Two times mm-hmm. I have not been able to. So you did. I listened to it. It was pretty cool. What was that like for you? Um, I mean – a little bit of a cliche. It was bitter. It was bittersweet. Um, I, I will tell you this: on Friday, I didn't get choked up during that show, which made me feel like I'm. I was okay walking away because I wasn't. Uh, my wife asked me this on Monday morning when ten o'clock came, and she's like, "Are you sad? Are you missing it?" And I'm like, "No, I'm really content with my decision." But you know, I think walking away on your own terms is something that you know every every person would like to do like no one wants to, uh, no one wants their last day to be like handed a pink slip handed like a, you're no longer welcome here. Um, you know, which I've actually, which I've actually gone through in, in my career previously. And, and it, it takes you by surprise and it, you feel like you're, there's something left to be accomplished, uh, that you never got around to doing. And, and it, it's infuriating. Um, and so being able to go out on your own is really cool. I mean, it's, and, and being able to say goodbye and, and thanking all the people that you want to thank and and is is I, I can't even put it into words like it, it just means a lot to be able to have done it my way um, and walk up, walk out when I wanted to walk out and I've had a lot of people say like oh you know if you you know started to cancel your show and I mean I'm, I'm, this is no ego like I'm not trying to just protect my my fragile fragileness like I I mean this was my 100 percent my decision to end the show. Um, you know, they wanted me to stay on, they asked me to stay on for longer. Um, but there's just, there are so many people to help you get to the position you're in. Uh, and to, just to say thank you to them, whether it's Ira Weintraub, you know, the, the morning show host and the, and the program director for WTK or Matt Spaulding, who, you know, ultimately took the biggest chance on me because yeah, I'd done a lot of, you know, radio interviews and I filled in a little bit, of, but I mean, Dennis, you're, you're well aware that, the difference between talking to someone for a half hour, 45 minute interview and leading a, whatever it's two, three, four hour show 
um, for five days a week. I mean, that is a gigantic, gigantic jump. Um, and, and it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, you end up repeating yourself a lot or you're, um, you really got to be on top of your game with who you're talking to on a regular basis, how much research you're putting into it. Um, you've got to know, you know, you've got to know, you can't just know college football, though certainly in the Ann Arbor market, like that's, you know, the primary driver of what people want to talk about. But I mean, you've got to be able to, when the, when the world cup is going on, you've got to be able to talk soccer. I mean, when you, when the NBA playoffs are going on, like you got to be able to talk NBA playoffs, you got to be able to talk major league baseball and the masters golf tournament and the Kentucky Derby. I mean, you've got to know a lot and be able to at least be educated enough that you can have a conversation when that person wants to have a conversation with you about it. Uh, and so it, it's, um, you know, and to get to that level, I mean, so it, it, it requires a lot of energy and a lot of focus. And so someone took a chance on me and said, Hey, this person, we think they can extrapolate from, from just doing an hour here and there to doing two hours. And then eventually, you know, they gave me an extra hour because they liked what the content was. So, um, you know, all those people who took a chance, I owe them a, a debt of gratitude. The, the staff I worked with, the guys I worked with, um, you know, you, you can't do a show on your own. Um, although maybe you're proving as a, as a podcast host, you can do a show on your own. Um, but you know, it, it's hard work to do it on your own, um, as you're well aware. And then honestly, I mean, and, and this is not to be a commercial, but you know, I had to sell, I had to sell my advertising for my show, which I'd never done before. And if, and if advertisers, if clients and sponsors don't take a chance on you and, and buy in, I mean, you don't exist for very long. I mean, I would have been canceled in three months without the advertising to pay for stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to develop those relationships and so many of them became my friends, um, and became people that, you know, when I was, I mean, I mean I've, I've had a couple of job offers already that I wasn't expecting and, and they were they're from sponsors. They're from people who said, we worked with you for the last couple of years and you do a great job. And so we'd like you to come work for us if that's a possibility, if that's something you'd consider. Um, so all the, that is just, it's been a really cool experience. I really, I really enjoyed it. I especially enjoyed um, it uh, immensely. Uh, you know, 2015 and 16 and in 2017 and um, you know 2018. I, I still really enjoyed it. You know, it, it helps when the football team is doing well. Um, 2019, I ran into a little problems, some problems with uh, with the finances of the show, and that's where we started to like grade on me a little bit of like, okay, like you know, you're wearing a lot of different hats, and to be to be successful, like you've got to be able to like time management like crazy. Um, and it just started to started to become a little bit uh, too much. And and then COVID hit, and as everybody is aware, I mean, COVID just you know devastated devastated the the uh, the financial resources of the show. And so it just it all kind of added up to a place where where I was ready to, to walk away and, and take on a new opportunity and and. Um, hopefully leave people wanting more. Well, selfishly, I hope one of those uh, job prospects was the Wolverine Brewing Company, and they, they want you somehow to, like, <laughs> you know, test beers with your friends. Like, call it up, you know, just come around and sample a bunch of beer and, you know, and, and say what you think about it. You know, you, I listened to over the years. It just, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're directed by what you're doing about, okay, you know the person and, uh, you're, you're searching it out. And I did know you, but in part of it was when I was uh, out and about going to the park, your show was always on. And, you know, I like Michigan. So, and I knew you. So it was always like, hey, 
I'm with my dog, and the dog, uh, you know, after I'd listen for five or ten minutes, sometimes he'd bark, you know, and he's like, "Let's go, we're, you know, we're going for a walk here." But uh, you know, I liked it. You, you, uh, you know, what people that listen to a Michigan station like Michigan, so you, you had that figured out. The analytics, uh, player updates, uh, Michigan from A to Z, you know, talking with uh, former athletes. You had all those things, and you had a a lot of different wrinkles there too, like going out on the town. That that football one hundred and one was. Ingenious. I know I've told you that before. My uh, my cousin wanted to go with uh, his son and asked me, like, what do you think of Spath? I said, I think he's great. What do you know about football 101? I said, nothing. And uh, I said, I'll go with you. Let's go. It was at a brewery, which was, uh, you know, it wasn't really tough. It's not like they were twisting yeah. my arm, you know. Uh, but it was great. It was great fun, man. Uh, and all ride home. I could tell those guys, man, they uh, they loved it. So, you know that was cool, and you came up with that. So you know you, you had a lot of you had a lot of great elements in the show. It was fun. You you, you figured out the yeah you got to have info on the sports and everything, but you had to, you got to talk about yourself and have a little bit of entertainment in there as well. And you know you figured out that you know it's not a a perfect you know nobody has that formula. It's it's this or that. A lot of it's just off the cuff, but you know you seem to get that pretty quick. Well, I tell you what, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, Mark Fellhauer um, from the Drew and Mark podcast. Uh, Drew Lane, formerly partnered with you know with with Mike, um, the most popular FM station show in Detroit for for twenty years, and um, I became pretty close to Mark. And, and Mark gave me some really good advice really early on. That if you are having a good time on your show, and you know you're laughing and you're whoever your co-host or your producer you're having a good time and you're entertained he's like i'm going to tell you that the audience is entertained like if you're laughing like and it's not just like fake laughing but it's like <laughs> uncontrollable belly laughing he's like your audience is laughing he's like that's the key is understand that you don't have to he's like you're really not um trying to entertain an audience because you can't see them you can't see their reactions you're whether it's 10,000 people or 40,000 people or for you, 97.1, I think a couple hundred thousand people are listening to the show. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you're enjoying yourself, if you're having fun, you're having fun. And I'll, and I'll tell you, cause I, you know, I listened to, I listened to your show. I listened to, um, you know, when I was driving in, uh, I listened to Jamie and, 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 um, and Stoney, um, you know, middays. And you know, sometimes when I would get out of my show, Karsh and Anderson were still going on. Um, I, you know, I did listen to Valenti cause I mean, you know, Valenti is the biggest name in the market. And I certainly think like if you're, you're stupid, if you, just because he's a more of a Spartan and kind of shades that way, like you're stupid if you don't listen to him, if you're in this business, because, um, you know, he's the, the best in the business. So you got to learn something from him. And so I always found myself, if you guys were laughing, if you guys were having fun, you and Leach or whoever you were paired with, or, I mean, the audience is laughing with you. And so I thought that was great advice. Um, and it kind of how I try to go about things and, and, you know, sometimes you end up going down the rabbit hole when you really disappear from a sports conversation, you spend like 30 minutes talking about nonsensical stuff. Um, but, but again, I mean, my guys in the room with me are cracking up, they're making fun of me. And like, that's not something too. I, I don't know about you, Dennis, but, um, and, and I go back to when you, you and Karsh, uh, were on WTK and, and, you know, I always felt like I don't want to be, I want to be those two guys. Um, but you got to be self-deprecating. Like, I think so. I mean, you know, I, 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 my wife will ask a little bit. She's like, you're too self-deprecating. Like, you make fun of yourself too much. And you like that people make fun of you a little too much. Like, have a little, you know, be like stronger, be more confident. I'm like, Amy, like, it is not a problem. Like, I'm not lacking for confidence. Like, I, I'm, 
I, I'm a kid from Gross Point who went to Michigan, who lived in Ann Arbor, who now lives in Royal Oak. Like, I've got the the, the arrogance, uh, you know, vibe uh, trait in my body. Like, I can't even avoid it. Um, so I said, so don't worry about me having confidence. But if you're not willing to make fun of yourself, if you're not willing to be the butt of the joke, if you're not willing, then I then I I just don't think that makes for good radio. If you're always like, you always have to be the one that that is you know taking people down. Um, so I was always willing to have fun with myself, and I think that that came through. And, and then I think honestly, Dennis, I mean, you know, I, I've always been a big believer. And now that I'm teaching this class, university of Michigan is like, there's a lot of times where I don't have all the expert knowledge. I can't speak on every single thing. I'm not a former Michigan player. I'm not a former Michigan coach. Um, but those are perspectives that I'll never be able to share with my audience. And so I thought it was really important to get those perspectives if I could. And I got a little bit lucky with some of the people, I mean, over the years you develop contacts and you develop relationships and some guys are better on the media, uh, on the, on the airwaves, on the radio than others. And you, you slowly, as you figure out, you start to parse through and you, you pare down you say like, Hey, you know, you were great last year. And, you know, I know we used you, uh, you know, every week this year, we're going to use you, you know, every couple of weeks or something like that. And, and it's a, a polite way of saying like, you were, you know, okay on the radio. You weren't, you weren't exactly but a couple of years ago, you know, I was looking for a Monday morning quarterback um, for a long time. Andy Murray does an amazing job on the Michigan Insider with Sam and Ira in the mornings. And I needed that guy. And, um, you know, I, I knew Devin Gardner from Reputation and a little bit of interviewing him. And, you know, now look at Devin. Like, he's got a podcast and a, and a web series on, you know, with Fox Sports. And he started on Monday morning quarterback with us three years ago. And he's amazing on the radio. He's, he's funny. He's self-deprecating. He gives you great insight. Um, so to be able to bring that perspective, and then I got lucky again um, with Reuben Riley. I think Reuben Riley um, is a future star. And he's, a, he's a head coach at Grand Rapids Christian High School. He played offensive line for Michigan in 2004, 2006. Um, he was an offensive guard that got forced to play right tackle because that's what they needed. He's the guy, when, when people want to talk about Jake Long as the greatest offensive lineman, at least in the last 25 years, um, you know, him and Steve Hutchinson, Ruben Riley was the bookend, was the guy at the opposite tackle from Jake Long for a couple of years. And he is outstanding on the radio. And so, you know, you, you catch a couple of those, you know, those butterflies um, in the palm of your hand and you just nurture the hell out of them because you realize that they're going to be able to connect with an audience and talk to an audience and entertain an audience in a way that I'm never going to be able to. And I was never afraid of bringing those voices to my show because I was never worried about getting replaced honestly if someone did a far better job for me and they want to take my show away from me then then kudos to them because if you're if you're afraid of your own competition if you're afraid to bring in those perspectives because you don't want um to ever be overshadowed then your company is never going to be as good as it can possibly be i like it and you're right you're right about uh riley and gardner uh both of those guys and i can tell you gardner in person uh he's something else man uh up at the, I was going to say chalkboard. He's actually up at the video, you know, pointing mm-hmm. things out. Uh, he's really good. You mentioned teaching a class. Tell me about teaching a class uh, this fall. What's that going to be like? Man, I am I am way out over my skis here. Uh, yeah, you know, John Bacon has taught a class at the University of Michigan for, I think, 14 years. He developed the curriculum uh, on the history of college athletics is what, it, what it's called. Um, and I don't think there's any person better uh, in Ann Arbor, in Southeast Michigan, uh, to teach than John Bacon on the history of college athletics. I mean, this is a guy who's written multiple books about it, uh, specifically from the Michigan angle, but he's also written 
um, you know, goes, goes way back and talks about the, the early 1900s and the late 1800s when college football was first forming up. And so he created this curriculum um, back in May. You know, I, I was told by a mentor of mine, Shelly Kovacs, that uh, Bacon wasn't going to be able to teach this fall because he's got a new book deal and he's writing and he's too busy. And so would I be willing to do it? And I mean, Dennis, I mean, if, if, if you got asked to teach a college class at the University of Michigan, first of all, you're going to say like, hell yeah, like that's an amazing opportunity. And second thing you're going to say is like, oh my God, I'm really not qualified to do this. I've never taught, uh, I've never taught beyond, uh, you know, middle school. Uh, taught them in St. Francis uh, in Ann Arbor. Like, I, I'm not qualified to be a teacher at the University of Michigan. Are you kidding me? But, you know, enough people convince you that it's, it's, you know, you didn't need a PhD, you didn't need a master's, you're just focusing on something that you're an expert in. Uh, and so I said yes, and I've been preparing my rear end off for the last couple of weeks and months to, to go to do it. And I'm going to take it in a different direction than, than John did it. Uh, John focused a lot on everything from like a Michigan angle. And really it was, um, you know, at least from the syllabus and from what I've been told, I mean, it was a lot of like really delving into like Michigan football and a little bit of Michigan basketball, Michigan hockey. And I, I look at, I look at where we are in 2020 and two major things have happened, obviously in the last, uh, in this, in this year, COVID-19 and how it has dramatically impacted everything. Our entire lives have been turned upside down. Sports have been turned upside down. And then um, George Floyd getting uh, getting murdered, and and a, and a cop kneeling on him, and uh, what what how that came out to be the Black Lives Matter protests and social activism, and how that intersects with sports. And so I started with that, and I said, "There's no way that I can do a class that goes back to 1900 and spends the whole time moving forward. I got to start with what's going on right now." And so we're going to kind of go backwards a little bit instead of going forward. Um, and we're going to start with, with how COVID has impacted sports, and then we're going to get into social activism, and then we're going to get into name, image, image likeness. We're going to get into Title IX um, and how that has impacted. We're going to get into media rights uh, and how March Madness uh, and CBS paying a billion dollars to the NCAA changed the game. We're going to talk college recruiting. And Dennis, as I said earlier about Devin Gardner and Rue and Riley, again, I'm not an expert on all these things, but what I'm really good at, and this is no ego, I'm not trying to, you know, Boost my boost myself up here, but what I am really really good at is I am really good at going out and getting people to talk about things that they know really really well. And so, I mean, right now I'm assembling and and a list of fairly famous people to talk about these issues. And you know, I'm, I've got Mark Silverman who used to run the Big Ten Network to talk about media rights, and a guy named Bruce uh, Lefkowitz who is the vice president of Fox Sports for 15 years to talk about media rights. And I've got, um, you know, a couple of former Michigan athletes, uh, you know, black athletes who in different sports, Scooter Vaughn uh, was a black athlete in hockey, you know, a predominantly white sport. And he's going to talk about race and uh, being a black athlete at the University of Michigan. And James Hall, who grew up in New Orleans, who played football in Michigan, and then he went to, spent his NFL career in two very racially, I would say, divided cities, Detroit and St. Louis. You know, he's going to join us. Uh, John Beeline, Red Barons, Shelly Kovacs, uh, Dan Murphy from ESPN. I mean, I'm trying to line up as many experts as I possibly can. Uh, Jan Dowling, who coaches the, the golf team in Michigan, Carol Hutchins, um, you know, as many experts as I can to talk about these fields because instead of me trying to, I don't want to say fake it, but instead of me trying to educate everybody on all these different subjects, go to the people who are writing the books, go to the people that have lived the experiences and let them talk about it. Um, cause I think it's going to be a far better way to, to bring perspectives, 
uh, into this class. And so I'm, I'm geeked about it. I'm geeked about it. I hope that my students love it. I hope that um, after it's all said and done, I don't want to be their friend, but I want them to respect me and I want them to enjoy the class. And I hope that when it's over with, Michigan is so happy that they say, hey, we want you to teach it again next semester. Well, if you bring half the enthusiasm that you did just there and, and half of those guests, uh, it, it's, it sounds like an A-plus class uh, uh, going in. Uh, we'll see. You, well, you're going to have to do it virtually, right? So right off the bat, yeah. you know, you're going to you're going to yeah. turn on the computer, and it's going to be way different for everybody. So uh, that'll be your opening line, I'm sure. Hey, this is different, and we all know it. Hey, well, uh, I wish you a, a lot of luck with that. I think you'll do a great job. As uh, that's why I was calling you the professor. <laughs> I appreciate it. Two I weeks appreciate ago. it. Yeah. So uh, thanks a lot for. For coming on the podcast, uh, it's good that you've got something uh, cooking here right in the fall, and we'll, we'll find out if we're going to have uh, football, if we're going to have basketball, and you know, mm-hmm. which comes back first, you know, spath back in, into the into the media or or football and basketball, or or will um, you guys all come back at the same time, which uh, would be my prediction, so. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I'll say I'll say this. That was an exasperated sigh right there from me. Um, I'm uh, you invite me anytime. I will come on uh, on your show. You are, um, you know, Dennis. I mean, I'm serious. I grew up when I was in Ann Arbor, and I was a student at the University of Michigan. I know that you're. You know, I'm not trying to date you. You're not. You're not like a de- you know two decades older than me here. But I mean, I would listen to sports talk radio, and I would listen to WGK, and I would listen to. Uh, you and you and Karsh, and um, I remember that you know back in the day before phones and before internet access and the whole thing. Like I would always be so bummed if I was going into Gross Point because I would listen to WTK as I was driving from Ann Arbor to Gross Point, and about like Detroit or so, you just lose the signal. Um, and there was never a way for for uh, for me to listen to you guys when I got you know home. And so I always think like, God, I hope these guys end up on Detroit radio so I can listen to these too. And sure enough, both you and and Karsh ended up on Detroit radio for. Uh, for quite a while, and now you're doing your own thing, and I wish you the greatest success. And 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 because I, I think I think your voice, Dennis, is a lot of what I've always tried to do. And um, again, I'm not trying to like you know flatter you or embarrass you here or something like that. But you've always been like this. Look, um, you're probably you are a, a Michigan fan, um, I believe, but you've always been like, look, like I'm not going to put lipstick on this pick. You know, if if and I'm gonna I'm gonna go right down the middle. And so when when a team, whether it's the Detroit Red Wings or the Detroit Tigers or the Lions or Michigan State or Michigan or Western Michigan, when they warrant praise and they warrant positive conversation, I'm going to go that route. And when they warrant criticism, I'm going to go that route because that's the uh, the only way to do this job and to be fair to your audience. And so I honestly learned that from listening to you uh, and from listening to, to Karsh. And that's what I try to bring to my show for, for four and a half years. And that's how I do interviews on podcasts, and that's how whatever I end up with with, uh, if, with media in the future, that is how I will approach it. All right. I like it. You did it. You did it. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for the kind words there. All the best, and, uh, and good luck to you. We will talk with you again. All right. Thank you so much, Dennis. See you, Michael. There he is, Michael Spath here on, on the podcast. We do appreciate his time. We sure do. I was writing down here. We start Tigers first five minutes, then fifteen minutes of college football issues, and then so what did they talk about for the last twenty? 
30. It's Life in Media. Appreciate Michael Spass' time. All the best to him. Thanks for tuning in. That is going to do it here for the podcast. I'm uh, Podcast 59. I'm going to watch some Tiger baseball. And then I am going to be watching basketball and hockey all night. And here it is, August the 20th. And I'll do uh, a, a video as well, fifth chapter. Check that out. Facebook, Twitch, where else? YouTube Live. All right. Everybody have a uh, great rest of their day or night. Bye. Bye.